одержимость США и их сторонников не разделяют страны, где проживают. After three years of pandemic shutdowns, reopening booms, war, clogged supply chains and nascent inflation, it's hard to remember what a normal market looked like, if such a thing has ever existed. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine has had a profound impact on global trade. As we record this special edition of the podcast, economic growth forecasts for 2023 are being revised downwards. Yes, due to high interest rates and inflation in many economies, but much of the current global macro picture seems to be stemming directly from the negative global economic spillovers from the war in Ukraine. According to BIMCO's chief analyst, Niels Rasmussen, we can essentially divide the impacts into three groups. We have the short term, so that's basically those that we saw during the war in the past year, and much of that has either evaporated or the markets have effectively adapted. But then we have the longer term issues, where we don't necessarily know how long they're going to last. And of course, then we have the lasting ones that will probably become a permanent fixture of the industry. Short term, we had, of course, commodity prices that shot up uh, quite significantly, that contributed, was not the sole source of it, but contributed to the increasing inflation that we've seen around the world leading to the the higher interest rates uh, that we've also seen. And I say contributed because, of course, there has been, I'd say, looming inflation in both the States and the EU as uh, as countries came out of a period with a lot of uh, fiscal support from the governments, etc. And Mr. Biden's uh, various uh, plans have certainly also increased activity in the states and, and as, as such that has that has probably led inflation but commodity prices certainly contributed um, now if we compare to for the key commodities if we compare commodity prices now versus what they were january 2022 then basically all commodities are back to their pre-war levels plus minus a few percentage points so that has at least for now dissipated that effect. Yes, commodity prices are still significantly higher than they were in 2019, but if we just look pre-war versus now, then uh, then certainly they've dissipated. Um, one uh, particular effect uh, or specific effect that we saw was, of course, that in the European Union, there was a lot of worry, which turned to be uh, be validated by uh, by Mr. Putin shutting off uh, LNG or natural gas through the pipelines. Uh, so that encouraged uh, importers to turn to a lot of coal. Of course, also to LNG via ships to replace the pipeline, but in order to kind of uh, supplement then also a lot of extra coal that came in and that that supported the coal trades and and the ships carrying coal because generally it was very long trades from south africa uh, australia to a certain extent the us so so very nice uh, long ton miles um now the funny thing is that while actual coal demand or Coal in the uh, in the energy the energy mix actually was up in the first 
half of uh, of 2022 in in the EU than actually when you got to the fourth quarter then actually year and year uh, actual coal uh, use was down uh, not least because uh, electricity uh, demand actually was down 8% or energy demand was down 8% because we had such a nice uh, uh, warm winter um, so I don't really see that having a, a lasting effect. I think that was a one-off. Or if if there's a little bit uh, uh, into next year or into this year, perhaps that really depends on how the whole LNG supply situation uh, develops. Because probably the EU was fortunate that they could get a lot of LNG since activity in China was not what it uh, would otherwise normally have been, and, and therefore LNG demand in China was low. So. If LNG supply works out in 23, then probably that uh, that coal uh, pickup was uh, was a short-term effect. Um, if we look a little bit longer term, then we have the sanctions that by EU and other G7 uh, countries. And if we just very broad strokes say that shipping tends to prosper with free trade, then sanctions is naturally a negative. Um, however, <laughs> there are then other effects that then move a little bit the other way around because, of course, it has really reshaped shaped trades, right? So it's it started particularly with, with coal in, was that August? I can't even remember anymore. Um, then crude in December, fully implemented sanctions, and then uh, refined products here in, in February, uh, fully implemented. And and that certainly has led to, well, Russia finding new buyers and the EU finding new suppliers. And in, in both cases, those new buyers and new suppliers are further away than than Russia was from the EU, so that's adding uh, adding ton miles to uh, to the trades, and and we can we can certainly see that particularly in the in the tanker trades, um, and uh, yeah, there has been a downturn in the market, let's say from November through through January, uh, but it's really now picking back up again uh, as uh, as China comes out of. I say the Chinese uh, New Year slowdown. That's uh, that's normal seasonality, really, right? So, um, and I mean, we don't know how long these sanctions are going to be in place, but I'm certainly of the opinion that the sanctions don't stop just because the war stops. I think the sanctions are are likely longer lasting unless there's some massive change in the uh, in the approach of the uh, of the russian government to uh, or even a change in the russian government who knows uh, but but i certainly think that sanctions are going to last longer and therefore these impacts have a have a longer uh, bearing on the markets um you said you you're going to address stark fleet elsewhere but that's certainly also a a follow-on impact from from the sanctions that that a much larger portion of the fleet has has moved into a, let's say so-called dark trade and uh, and with the with the implications of older ships perhaps trading for longer and and perhaps longer than than they should seen from a from a safety perspective and uh, 
and uh, and hopefully we won't see any impacts and we won't see any major accidents but it's certainly a certainly a concern and if we then get to the lasting impacts then i think for sure a lot of countries in in europe and perhaps in particular germany has uh, been reminded that energy is a, a matter of national security and you need to figure out how can you actually make sure that you have lasting uh, supplies and you need to have supplies from from friendly countries that you don't expect uh, major to be upset majorly but it's also then brought on an acceleration of of decarbonization within uh, within Europe um, so I think that that certainly is going to have longer lasting impact that if Europe hasn't re- already reached peak coal and, and peak oil which probably it has then then at least it's going to be very very soon and sooner than it possibly otherwise would have been um, following on that and it's, it's not only an impact of the war I think it, it already started with with the COVID pandemic and China being locked down I think generally there's an understanding that you need to diversify your supply chain and you need to have more than one supplier for critical goods um, and I think yes as I said the pandemic under underline that but then it's really been brought home by by the concern now that you're seeing in Russia well what if China decides to have some uh, larger action towards Taiwan for example what are you going to do right so I, I think that's probably going to accelerate that diversification of supplies uh, and of course we're talking mainly away from China um, I don't think it's a, it's a case of uh, we're going to see like double digit percentage drops in container volumes out of China. I don't think that's the case because I think it's a it's a very long term uh, process if you have to move away from the largest producer in the world. I don't think you do that overnight, but I think it's something that we will see increasingly. Um, of course, it is a process that has been ongoing. I mean, China has outsourced to Vietnam. As as Europe and North America outsourced to China, then China has already been outsourcing to Vietnam and other countries, but probably this is only going to accelerate the process. And I think lastly, um, if we compare to other economic crises, then we tend to have one year of perhaps negative growth and then governments step in and then we have much faster growth than normal the following or or the next two following years. So it kind of evens out and you don't generally lose economic growth in the longer term. But that doesn't seem to be the case here that the slower growth that we are seeing have seen uh, last year and we'll see this and the next I don't think at the end of it, there's going to be like a make-up year and then suddenly we'll have 6% growth uh, uh, if the war stops. So I think just overall, we've lost uh, economic uh, growth and economic potential in the world um, for the long term.
On the face of it, the container markets didn't have a huge amount to adapt to as a result of the war, at least in terms of box throughput. Russia's Black Sea trades represented a difficult shift, but it wasn't insurmountable. A year on, though, Peter Sands, chief executive at Zenita, thinks there are some things that we need to reflect on when it comes to what the war in Russia has meant for the container markets. I think one year on, we're beginning to see what uh, what was already in the making from uh, from the get go of of the crisis, uh, following uh, the Western sanctions, uh, where uh, every European container line, of course, had to say, well, this is something that we cannot ignore. This is something that we need to do something super dramatic about. Obviously, they all uh, adhered to their contractual obligations, calling ports in Russia, Black Sea, Baltic Sea, Russia Pacific also in, in the immediate month afterwards. But then it was all sealed off. It was all done deal. But of course, as it works in shipping, water finds its way. So uh, so we hardly ever see Eastern sanctions against Russia. And we have literally seen many new services, many new trades, also uh, previously non-operating carriers now becoming ship owners and setting up services from uh, parts in Far East, uh, well, going from, from a few ports in China, all the way up to, to Pacific Russia, and then they 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 train it into to where it's uh, likely. So uh, so obviously, cutting uh, cutting off Russia from the global container shipping supply chains doesn't mean that uh, that the volumes uh, leave the the surface. It just needs well a different set of uh, of keel or a different set of ships uh, below to uh, to transport the goods into uh, to to where they're needed. So uh, there's always more to the story than meets the, the general public eye. But of course, it's not simply a question of looking at the rather limited shift in direct Russian callings that you have to consider when looking at the container sector. The war is potentially starting to hurt container shipping via the knock-on effects, which are reflected in terms of port congestion and bunkering costs. But also, more significantly, I would argue, reduced economic growth is now being directly correlated with the impacts of the war. So, what about the bigger picture? What is the general feeling in containers now on economic growth prospects? And how closely tied is that to the war? And what happens next? Geopolitics takes up uh, more and more space in boardrooms amongst the uh, major carriers and major shippers and major freight forwarders. Because it's 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 becoming a little bit of, uh, say, us against them depending on where you sit in the world. And and geopolitics is is also a matter of, say, not necessarily doing the right thing all the time, but at least avoiding doing the wrong thing. So so that is definitely something that, that changed business as the way it should be, free and easy accessible. Imagine for a moment, uh, Richard, if, uh, if uh, we were to see, say, a no shipping zone in the Strait of Taiwan or Taiwan Strait, I think it's, it's rightly called. That would literally be some obstacle for 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 global shipping. That uh, that is one of the most busy straits of them all. Uh, I mean, we we used to nail uh, some choke points of global shipping, mostly related to that of oil business. But I think you could add Taiwan straight to that uh, in the light of. Uh, not only uh, the trade war existing still between China and US, but certainly also the increased tensions between, well, China, 
US, Taiwan in the middle and, and high-flying balloons at some point in time. Uh, but in terms of, uh, say, also embracing this next normal of, uh, of geopolitics playing a much bigger role, uh, we've just seen announcement also from, from some of the major carriers. I think it was Maersk going out saying that, okay, they now accept direct bookings into Ukraine, uh, a country that have uh, definitely seized uh, in in say uh, opportunities for 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 carriers and freight forwarders to to deliver uh, on on the on the doorstep of uh, of those needing the goods in Ukraine, but uh, of course it still goes via Constanza Romania, uh, but uh, it is going into Ukraine uh, to um, to a say a devastating extent. It also means that people are seeing this as a normal situation, even though uh, we just marked the number one year day for for the invasion it should never become a situation that is normal but uh, but then again uh, i think again trade finds its way uh, so this is just one of the ways uh, but check out also uh, what has happened in uh, the port of hamburg also places in 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 denmark uh, not far away from where i sit today designated areas are still uh, holding up uh, say containers that were once bound for Russia, but at some point in time became untouchables. Uh, parts of uh, the port of Hamburg was struggling uh, to a large extent because that is literally the main, or was, I should say, the main train shipment hub for, for cargo heading into to St. Petersburg uh, and, and main Russia. So uh, so that, of course, was also painful uh, to, uh, to, uh, to the port of, of Hamburg. So in the, in the bigger picture, I mean, Western and European Container lines are now finding ways to avoid Russia at large, and new players are, are, are coming in to uh, to service uh, uh, Russia in a different way. And if I may add one final thing, because I think it's also relevant to to put into perspective the uh, the air freight market, something that we have seen and I also follow very closely, and we can certainly see that freight rates from from China to to Europe, and from Japan, Korea into Europe, are still much elevated from pre-pandemic level. They are still up on a global scale, uh, sorry, on a trade uh, corridor level at 80% from pre-pandemic level, whereas Southeast Asia to Europe, for instance, where you do not need to, say, go around Russia, like uh, like 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 you do extending the uh, the, the the flight at, at large, uh, so uh, so uh, a trade from Southeast Asia into Europe is only up by by 30 and 40 percent on on pre-pandemic level. So uh, so that much elevated element of risk that is just adding on top of all the other costs you mentioned yourself that of bunkers, that of seafarers. I mean, Russia has a significant pool also of seafarers, so it all adds up to. Shipping is just becoming more costly by the day. The implications for shipping, of course, stretch well beyond the consequences for individual shipping markets. So if you would like to hear more, there are several other episodes of this podcast series looking at the rise of the Dark Fleet and compliance complexities as a result, the impact on seafarers, the consequences for Ukraine's seaborne trade, and a deep dive into the insurance implications. You can find these episodes by following the links on loislist.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>